Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. Good morning. My name is Mitch Schultz. I am your host, your fine host, and I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Okay, so as you know, if you've been listening to these podcasts for any amount of time, you probably know that I am one of those guys that loves the church. Uh, I also admit that the church has a lot of flaws and has a long ways to go to be what Jesus wants her to be, but I still love the church. I love the church not only because Jesus loves the church, and he does. After all, she is his bride. The scriptures make that very clear. But I I love the church too because it's really meaningful to me. I love worship. I love to be in a place to hear the Word of God, to partake in the sacraments. I love witnessing baptisms. I I love seeing how the church, more than any other organization, serves others, serves the community, serves the world. In fact, if it was not for the church, you would not have hospitals, you would not have relief organizations. That is the body of Christ at work. I love the church, too, because we're promised in Ephesians 5.27 that one day Jesus will present her, the church, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, that she might be without blemish. While the church is imperfect, and we all would admit that it is, I've talked about that in some of these episodes, God is doing a perfect work through her, through us. That is why I love the church. Now, this begs the question, how are we doing? (laughs) How is the church doing in being this body of Christ to a dying and lost world? How's the church doing in being a place of worship, place for fellowship for believers, a gathering place, a place for discipleship? Well, I talked about all that with someone who not only himself loves the church, but he knows a lot about it. His name is Terry Smith, and Terry serves as the Vice President for Church Ministries with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. He's a friend of mine. I still owe him 10 bucks. We talk about that. We're negotiating. So I want you to grab your coffee, put on your fluffy bunny slippers if you have that, and let's join Terry in this wonderful conversation about the church, the state of the church, and particularly in America. Let's jump in now. All right, I have the privilege of having a, a good friend of mine, Terry Smith, on the other line. We finally got this going through here with Zoom. Uh, Terry, how are you today? I'm doing well, Mitch. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I just mentioned before we recorded that I owe you $10. You were at the an alumni <laughs> dinner here, and I showed up uninvited, and and I looked really hungry, and you came up and offered me $10, so I owe you that still. It will come. It might be in 20 years, but I will pay no. you back. I never wanted to hear Jesus say to me, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. <laughs> and I don't want Jesus to ever say, you never paid him back. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't give it to you as a loan. I gave it to you as That's a I, I know. I know. <laughs> well, listen, with your, uh, with your position uh, working for the National Office of the Christian Missionary Alliance, yep. uh, we're, the topic today is the state of the church in America. So I think we're going to have a good conversation around that. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Your family and what led you to what you're doing now? Yeah, thanks uh, for the opportunity to chat with you today, Mitch. So uh, I uh, was born in Illinois, uh, Southern Illinois, rural Illinois, saved in a free Methodist church. 
when I was 14, moved to Florida when I was, I was saved when I was 13, moved to Florida when I was 14. And that's where we got involved in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, First Alliance Church in Port Charlotte. That's where I met my wife, Ruth. And uh, she is a native Floridian. We've been married for 45 years. Wonderful. I, I graduated uh, from high school one Friday night. We got married the next Friday night and moved oh to the on Wednesday. So, so you were 18, 17, 18 I years was old? 18, 18 years old. She uh, she turned 20 the day after we got married. And uh, so we have two sons. Uh, they are both married, live in Pennsylvania, and we have five grandchildren. And, oh, that's uh, wonderful. That be a wonderful stage of life. We have been involved in Alliance Ministry for 41 plus years at the local church level, in the district level as a church planning director, and then as a district superintendent, and now serving in this role of vice president for church ministries, where I oversee the um, U.S. districts and churches. Never dreamed I'd be doing this, and totally dependent on Jesus every hour I, of I every bet. day. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, listen, you're, you are the first one to answer that question, tell us about yourself, without me having to interrupt and say, okay, we need to move on here. <laughs> so, but that's a, that's a great intro. And I, I first met you, or at least I, I, I probably had more time to spend with you, we might have met before that, but you were pastoring in Mechanicsburg, uh, Pennsylvania, when I was uh, a missionary with the Christian Missionary Alliance, and I was on, on speaking tour and Exactly. was in your church for a week so that was a lot of fun i i love to yeah i, I love to ask the, yeah sorry um i love to ask the question of my guests uh what mm -hmm. you are most passionate about what drives you uh maybe how different is is this from when you first started ministry yeah i'd say i'd say i'm passionate about the church mm -hmm. uh, interesting that you happen to be doing what you're doing it is so uh, passionate about the church that is was purchased and is owned by Jesus Christ. Mm. So it's a sacred uh, body. Mm. So I'm, I'm passionate about seeing new churches planted, been involved in, in a lot of that over the years. But I'm also passionate about church revitalization to see churches that have kind of lost their way and, and gotten off mission and may not mm. be seen. Many people come to know Christ, if any. And, mm. uh, you know, the baptismal uh, hasn't been used for um, uh, far too long. And, Unless it's used to store choir robes or something like that. Yeah, that's but that's right. not what you mean. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, so I, I'm passionate about seeing those churches revitalized and, mm. and making a difference for Christ in their local uh, community. And and that, I think the seeds of that have been in me for a long time. Mm. You know, when God created and wired me. I can remember even as a, as a kid getting uh, when we were still in the free Methodist church, getting uh, uh, church planning brochures from our uh, church's conference or uh, that after we were in the Alliance, having the district superintendent come and do the annual presentation on church planning. And that stuff always interested me. Mm -hmm. I'm probably the mm -hmm. only teenager in America that ever sat yeah. and watched those things and got excited about it. And it, I think that was really just yeah, the spirit of God working in me to prepare me for what he was going to call yeah, me. Yeah, well, I, lo I love your answer at the very beginning that 
reflected a, a theology of church, a, a, a strong belief and love for the idea of church. You know, Jesus has bought this bride and uh, mm -hmm. I didn't, we didn't plan this, but I'd be curious your thoughts of, uh, you know, you talk about churches that have maybe drifted away from their mission. Uh, they're made up of people. A lot of people are, are disenchanted with church and, and don't see it as relevant. But I think when you go back to the theology, the idea of church, even though church is messy, um, I find myself talking to people when they're, you know, not interested in church anymore to just say, well, you know, let's let's go back to the roots of what it's all about. Do you have conversations like that with people? Yeah, I think uh, I think the church is very relevant. I think we give up on generations way too quickly. Mm. And I think what they're looking for when they walk into church or come in contact with church people, they're looking for authenticity. Uh, they're looking for people who are real in their faith in Jesus Christ and uh, who are humble and gracious and loving and who have uh, an interest in uh, serving other people, you know, and, and seeing, mm -hmm. seeing change in their lives. So I haven't been in pastoral ministry for um, eight years now, but when I look back on my last pastorate, you know, we started this kind of a uh, an older church with uh, people who, if they were going to have babies, we were going to need Abraham and Sarah type miracles. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there were a few exceptions to that at mm -hmm. that moment. But what we saw is people of all age groups coming in either with no spiritual background or with negative spiritual background who had never experienced Christ and come in and, uh, you know, feel a part of that uh, mm -hmm. family of believers and experience uh, new life in Jesus Christ, yeah. experience a yeah. new birth and see their lives transformed. You know, so some of those were, um, I have to think about my generations here, millennials mm -hmm. who, you know, who get a bad name, but, you know, they were responsive to the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially as it came through the lips of people who they knew loved them. Yeah. Yeah. I think in short, we love the church because Christ loves the church and Absolutely. gave himself up for the church. And so hopefully that can be an encouragement to people who might be discouraged with uh, with church. I remember Philip Yancey wrote a book years ago called Why Church, and he mm -hmm. spent a lot of time talking about its value based on on theological concepts and, you know, from the perspective of, of Christ and what, what he did in you know, rescuing this group of people and uh, his bride is called the church, and it, uh, you know, we, it's not an ethereal, you know, mystical. It's a, it becomes a real place of gathering of believers. So yeah. it is important. Um, what, uh, how, how would you, how would you describe the, uh, from your perspective? Because I imagine you visit churches a lot, you study it, you are in a position where you can, you know, you get that thirty thousand foot view, but you're also on the ground a lot. Um, uh, what encourages you? What discourages you from what you're yeah. seeing? So when I think of the state of the church in the U.S. today, and I'm, you know, I, I'm speaking into the evangelical world. I'm speaking into mm -hmm. the alliance world, particularly. Obviously, there's a sure. segment of the church, and I'll put it in air quotes, the church in America that we would say is probably not even a part of the church that has totally lost its way and totally lost its theological moorings. So, but for the broader evangelical church or for the Alliance Church, uh, when, when I think of concerns, 
what I witnessed over the last almost three years now, we, we hit the perfect COVID storm there with the, all of the things that were swirling around that. Yeah, I wonder how long it would take for us to talk about COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't take very long, did it? So <laughs> no. What, what surfaced out of that was uh, what I would call inadequate discipleship. Mm. That people, not, this isn't totally true uh, of every person, but a certain segment in the church where they did not have deep enough roots in the word of God to sustain uh, themselves in, in, in their, in their spiritual life, or uh, I should say in their church life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a pretty accurate uh, stat that, that I'm hearing is about, about a third of the people left churches, you know, some may have gone to other churches, but some may not have, but so that's uh, still the because I heard that about a year ago that you're hearing that that still is the case yeah. that a third have not come back. Well, uh, people are some have come back, mm -hmm. but uh, and other new people have come. Sure. Uh, that's, the, that's the greater thing I hear. But but most of what I hear says most haven't mm. come back, you know, and I and I just think they you know, I had I had a pastor tell me he said, he said, we're a fairly new church and we just didn't have time to disciple people with deep enough roots in the word. And, and he, he said they lost a certain percentage of their congregation. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what that was. I think it was 40% at the time. Mm -hmm. I've been in that church since they're recovering, but most of us didn't have the excuse that, that we're a relatively new church, you know, mm -hmm. sure. so even, you know, longstanding churches. Uh, I, I think we've got to wake up to the need to get people grounded in the word of God so that that becomes what keeps them level in the midst of, um, you know, storms and challenges of life. I also believe that uh, what we've seen revealed in the last few years is a skewed focus in the evangelical church where we've sold out to uh, political agendas and political personalities mm -hmm. and forgotten that we need to lead with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, certainly there are political things that I'm deeply concerned about. We'll probably talk about some of those before this interview is over, but there is no, uh, there is no hope for America in politics. There is only mm -hmm. hope for America mm -hmm. in, in Jesus Christ. And, and so we got to make sure that the message coming from our pulpits and the message coming out of our mouths in uh, even evangelistic opportunities for conversation are centered on the gospel and on the person of Jesus Christ. At the same time, I'm encouraged uh, about some things, especially in the Alliance. I see uh, pastors standing in their pulpits week after week, preaching the truth of God's word. There's still a commitment to God's word as, as the authoritative and errant word of God. And uh, there are things that we're seeing uh, Jesus do that, the church is leaning into. We have a lot of churches that are that are teaching English as a second language classes as a way of building bridges of relationship to immigrants and refugees, so that, that so that we have the opportunity to present the gospel to them. Just talked to a church, Alliance Church, yesterday in Pittsburgh, who has that has a ministry uh, to help people with immigration, and uh, in doing that, they're doing it solely for the purpose of they're helping people, but they know mm -hmm. the, the ultimate help people need is the gospel of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. So I yeah. see a lot of churches leaning into that. 
Um, and so, and I think that's one of those areas where God is moving and, and we need to, we need to join him there. When you hear, you go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go uh, ahead. Sound like you were going to give an example and I love examples. I I was in Orlando, uh, Florida in uh, July for our triennial life conference, which is our youth conference you know, 6,000 people gathered in a room, most of those teenagers who are passionate about Jesus. You cannot sit in that room and see kids worshiping Jesus and, and responding to the work of Jesus in their lives without being encouraged uh, for the church. Mm. Yeah, that's, a, that's, yeah, that's encouraging. When, uh, when you talk to pastors uh, and they're dis- you find that they're discouraged, what do you what what do you see that they're most discouraged about? Um, they're discouraged about people who have left mm. uh, for the wrong reasons, you, you know, and, and, and they're discouraged about um, people who are caught up in the wrong things, which may be worldly values, which may be, uh, political agendas, uh, you know, we have, uh, y- you and I grew up in a different day and age. So um, uh, kids sports, for instance, when I was uh, growing up, we didn't even have baseball on Wednesday nights when I was playing Little League because that well, was pretty much. I remember those days, yep. Yeah, and Sunday was certainly sacred, even in the mm-hmm. eyes of, of, a, of a secular world. Well, that's no longer the case at all. Yeah. And Christians who just vacate church to take their kids to be involved in in traveling softball teams or traveling soccer teams or local leagues, and uh, you know, there's just not a priority on really being connected to the church and committed to the church, and they they miss the benefit of that and they miss the opportunities of of, of ministry mm-hmm. that come with that, and that does discourage pastors. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you say to encourage them? Um, just, just remind them to keep being faithful and that, that, that there are people out there. I believe there are people out there in every community who will be responsive to the gospel. If we, um, if we will be faithful in serving our communities and, and preaching the gospel, and we, we may, we may lose some people here and there, and some people may be more sporadic in their attendance, but, uh, you know, if they will do the work of an evangelist and encourage their church people to do the work of an evangelist, I believe they'll see people coming to Christ. Yeah, yeah. There is nothing more encouraging mm-hmm. uh, in a church than to see a few new believers sitting in the pews or chairs every every week, uh, eating up the word of God. Yeah, yeah. They've never heard it before. They haven't grown callous to it at all. And they're excited and they're growing and they're telling everyone about Jesus. So there's nothing wrong with our churches that a few good conversions mm-hmm. uh, yeah, would, yeah. wouldn't help. So yeah, that, you know, it's it, it's interesting. I've been discipling a couple who a year ago uh, family was in chaos and they began to attend the church, came to Christ, and when I meet with them, uh, I, I'm just smiling and laughing with them because they are just eating up the word of God, you know, they're in discipleship groups being mentored by older men, older woman for the wife. And, 
And I'm like, this is just invigorating. I, I love this. And when you were talking, it again, I think this is less of an issue now for us, but, you know, the whole notion of uh, kids playing sports on Wednesdays and, you know, it's conflicting with church. I, our youth pastor in our previous, the last church I pastored, he actually would empower, he kind of turned that around and say to the kids, yeah, go and play sports and uh, go and and uh, be a witness for Christ. And what that did is it actually encouraged the kids to want to come back to church, you know, at other times. Yeah. And uh, so that, uh, you know, I think, I think we, we can encourage ourselves by seeing those things as, as opportunities. Um, what do you find yourself uh, speaking and writing about the most? Well, over the last year, without a doubt, uh, I, most of my messages have been in terms of, sermons that I've preached have been deeper life in the spirit messages, mm -hmm. uh, whether Galatians 5, calling people to walk in the spirit or Acts messages on uh, spirit empowered movement, those kinds of things. I preach a lot on the church that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. I preach uh, on evangelism and encourage pe encouraging people to be engaged with uh, people in their sphere of life and influence. I preach a lot on, on uh, missions so, you know, I write a lot, you know, a lot of the writing I do addresses priorities of church planning. How do we re revitalize churches, uh, leadership? Yeah, it's good stuff, by the way. I love, I love your writing. I love your style and, and your content is, is rich. So thank, thank, thank you, you for, for doing that. Thank you. Do I still owe you $10 now after that compliments? No, no. Uh, that compliment Good. is worth at least 10 bucks. <laughs> I might owe you money. Now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Lunch yeah. is on me the next time we see each other. Yeah. No, I, I love that. That's a, a great. Uh, so there's a consistent theme you're finding yourself coming back to uh, over and over again, it sounds like. Sometimes I think if I studied my preaching mm -hmm. over the years, I think I have about 10 topics that mm. I just keep coming back to from different passages of scripture, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great question to ask people, isn't it? And I, even yeah. pastors sometimes I'll say because they're preaching different messages every week, but to to say what are the themes, you know, that keep coming back, and and if their answer doesn't really address the gospel, you know, then it's you know it's an incur a time to encourage them to uh, uh, to maybe add that to their. Yeah, your repertoire. Uh, you're I love, speaking I about love to preach. I love to preach evangelistically too. Yeah, yeah. This will occasionally. I preached a couple right. of years ago in an anniversary service of a church and was really preaching to believers mm -hmm. about doing the work of evangelism. But yeah. gave an invitation to non-believers at the end to come to faith in Christ and saw like mm -hmm. three people in, in each of two services come to faith in Christ. That oh, day. yeah, it's wonderful. And and we as believers need to be reminded of the gospel regularly as well. It, uh, it refreshes us. It realigns us. Uh, you know, you're talking about evangelism. Uh, you know, I, I, this is probably just my own perception of this, but we've, I, I think I'm hearing more about apologetics and maybe that is a form of, of evangelism. And I, of course it is, it's defending the faith. Um, you know, we're responding to social issues. Um, are you do you sense that we've gotten away from, you know, intentional, intentional uh, training in evangelism? And what are you finding that you're saying to pastors and churches to maybe get them back to that? Because it 
again, it's easy for us at our age to say, oh, back in the time, you know, we did more of this. But I think that I think it's true. There's less, uh, you know, even in colleges, there aren't classes of, you know, we used to have class on evangelism, how to do evangelism. Yeah, I I think generally you're right. You know, I I would say that, you know, there are different types of non-believers out there and we need to meet them on their own terms. So so some of those Mm -hmm. people, I don't think it's the majority, by the way, but some of those people are going to need an apologetic uh, approach. You know, I I do important. I think it's important, you you know, if this addresses social issues, I, I think it's important that we come as a church in a posture of serving the community. And that many times we're going to have to do that in today's world before we earn the right to speak into their lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And actually that they will listen to us and hear and hear what we're saying. But uh, I do believe that most churches, many churches have lost their way evangelistically that uh, left to their own devices. Every church will grow inward focus, not outward focus, that we have to be intentional, whether whether we're talking about the, the whole body of the church or individual believers in the church. We have to be intentional about saying, hey, we've got to keep connecting with non-believers. You know, we've mm-hmm. got to keep winning, winning people to Jesus. I think some people are intimidated by the culture today, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 changed as you've noticed yeah and, and are kind of afraid to talk about Jesus or afraid if they talk about Jesus that nobody's going to listen or somebody's going to a- ask them a hard question that they don't know how to answer yeah or if you address sin it's seen 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 as intolerant and so we're we're gun shy yeah you we know, are. even yeah i sat down on a plane next to a guy a few years ago just before covid hit and um uh, started talking and you know he found out i was christian working in ministry and his question was you're not one of those christians that doesn't believe in evolution are you (laughs) well yes i happen to be you know and this guy's got phds and he goes and teaches subjects and he's a multi-generational atheist Mm, yeah that's sad i Mm. admit i'm intimidated by that yeah yeah but you know, you begin to speak in and, you know, just I discovered one thing. I discovered that I he, he might have been smarter than I am, but but mm. I had read one book he had never read. Mm. He had never read the Bible. Wow. And I was able to challenge him. If you're going to reject the message of this book, would you pick it up and read it? Yeah. And see what its message is really all about. I don't know if you ever did that or not. You know, it was mm. two hours. Well, what an opportunity. Yeah. Providential for sure. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about, you know, the the tension with, you know, living in, in a culture that's becoming increasingly uh, pagan, less mm-hmm. church familiar. And there's also been, you know, this uh, uh, kind of perception, I think, that uh, that that Christians are you know, we, we hear phrases like hate speech. And the, mm-hmm. so again, addressing sin and culture and even addressing those within our own community, uh, you know, moral issues, uh, gender issues, gay marriage, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, what role should the pulpit have in, in addressing these things? What kind of conversations are you all having in leadership and also yeah. with pastors on the ground? So, uh uh, I just preached a message to our district superintendents called Unco- Uncompromising Leadership and really out of Acts 20, challenged them to continue to challenge our pastors to preach the whole counsel of God. 
So, you know, we're if we preach the whole counsel of God, we're going to come around to those topics from time to time. I don't think yeah. those topics need to be our hobby horse. Uh, you know, there's there's much more to talk about than just that and uh, many more sinful lifestyles that people are caught up into that need to be addressed as well. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, we do have to speak the truth on these issues and, and be uncompromising in doing so. But I want I want to say too, be loving in doing so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our message is uncompromising, but our tone is always one of love that extends the hope of forgiveness and transformation to people. You know, we don't want to preach people out of the church. We want to pe- preach people into the church. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they're going to leave just because they don't like the truth. Yeah. Uh, w- when I look back on my preaching over 41 years, you know, I don't I can't think of a topic that I have a regret uh, for preaching or, or anything I've said that I have a regret for <laughs> saying. I might at times have a regret for the tone I said it in. Mm-hmm. And, and could have said it in a more inviting and welcoming tone to uh, really see uh, see to it that people had the opportunity to to trust Jesus and and have their lives transformed as a result of that. One of the things that's been on my mind and heart for the last six months or so, Mitch, is this, I believe, deep responsibility that we have in, you know, I'm 63 years old in my generation and the generation below me to train up teenagers and preteens in in terms of biblical sexuality, a biblical view on life. Mm. Uh, they're under so much pressure yeah. uh, in today's world. As one youth pastor put it to me uh, eight months or so ago, not just to tolerate what's going on around them, but to participate in what's going on around them. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of unbiblical uh, expressions of, of sexuality. So we have got to anchor that generation in the truth of God's word and and help them be Daniels in the midst mm. of uh, a culture that's going down the tubes to really stand for Christ. Yeah, I love that. Well, I, I was going to muse over uh, an article that R.C. Sproul wrote, but we're not going to have the time for that. And I, and I, I was even thinking that that might uh, be a rabbit trail. So I will just let people be curious what the, in the world I'm talking about there. So I a little bit more of a lighthearted question here before we leave. And I think I'm going to ask this question of everybody that I interview from here on. But if the roles were reversed... Uh, what question would you, would you ask me if I was doing what you're doing? <laughs> well, the first thought was, why would you interview me? That was <laughs> uh, I, I had no one else that, that would do it. My, <laughs> Just my second question would be, Mitch Schultz, if you were in my role, the vice president for Church <laughs> Christian and Missionary Alliance, what would be your priorities in oh, your first hundred days in office? Yeah, I love that. Well, I I would I would assume uh, getting familiar with the landscape and being aware of of uh, you know who does what and but but I think you know the question I asked earlier is what you know what's been your observation of the the church I mean I I don't think we we know that unless we talk to people like you who get you know a broad view of of the church and. Uh, you know, because I, I find myself reacting to incidental things, as you know, because you know me fairly well. And I've talked to you about some things. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and sometimes I have to pull back and just realize, you know, that, uh, as you said earlier, the church is the bride of Christ. And 
there are blemishes. What I love is is the promise that in the end will be presented uh, without blemish. Yeah, amen. Uh, which means that there's a lot of refining and washing and cleaning that's still uh, taking place. But uh, uh, but yeah, I I think getting to know what's happening and um, and then you know it, it it's got to be overwhelming. You're you're one person. Uh, you know, trying to filling a role that, uh, you know, encompasses a large body, you know, thousands of pastors. And there's, you know, I think maybe a question that I would be struggling with is, man, who who am I to have impact or how can I have impact? And, uh, and also the, you know, and this is probably because of the role that I have in my ministry. Uh, I, man, I just want to encourage pastors, uh, you know, that's why my podcast is called before you quit, you know, before yeah. you quit, um, you know, consider these things before you quit, let's go back to what the, the theologically the church is all about and, yeah. uh, who, who we are in relationship to who Jesus is. And, uh, so, so yeah, that's how I would answer. Yeah. Did, did I do good there? You did. You did. Okay. Well, like, you did awesome. Plus. All right. Any final thoughts, Terry, before we say goodbye? Well, uh, the question you didn't ask me, I'll just give you a little snippet Mm -hmm. of of my answer. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of hubbub about religious freedom in the Church of America today. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost another that's almost another podcast. So it is. Yeah. And I'd like to I'd like to go there sometime. two, Two quick statements just to say we have a lot more religious freedom than most of us use. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing against, uh, no law against talking to people about Jesus. So let's use that freedom while mm-hmm. we have it. And uh, ironically, the places where the church has grown most in the last 50 years have had the least religious freedom. freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So let's don't use that as a crutch, whether we have it or whether we don't have it. You know, we, we need to be bold and courageous and spirit filled and ready to face any kind of circumstances mm-hmm. that we can imagine in our world. Persecution could come to the church in the U.S. The church of Jesus Christ will triumph over that as we cling to our Savior yeah. and uh, continue to do the work. That do, you, do you feel we have a few minutes here because the article had to do with what uh, R.C. or actually it was uh, Francis Schaefer yeah. talking to R.C. Sproul about statism, where the, the state becomes more mm-hmm. controlling over the church, you know, the Nero with the, the early Christians. Uh, is it your sense that we're heading there, that there's going to be a lot? Because in my cynicism, I, I will often say to to some people that the, the COVID, as legitimate as it was, was a test run uh, for a secular government to see how well they can do in in isolating the church. And, yeah. and sometimes I think that's the, you know, the evil agenda behind all of that, that, you know, the enemy will use legitimate uh you know uh uh illnesses or plagues or whatever to to do that so yeah what's your thought where where are we heading what's it going to look like yeah i think we we could well be heading there i mean we're not in our nation we're certainly not headed in a positive direction or one mm-hmm. that, that is more embracing of christianity it's 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 the opposite of that uh you know some some view the government regulations in covid as an acts 5 event, you know, where we needed to obey God rather than man. Some mm-hmm. saw it as Romans 13 event where we needed to submit to government authorities. Uh, generally, I would say it was a Romans 13 event, and we did need to submit as long as the church wasn't singled out, you know. In yeah. California, I think it was casinos. It was. Were open. 
yeah. uh, churches couldn't open. Well, at that point, you know, we might need a little sanctified rebellion uh, and uh, to, to, to step up. But, you know, we're going to have to get used to carrying out our, our faith in a context where we do not have governmental favor. Churches are going to have to get used to operating in a um, atmosphere where tax exemption stuff may go away because we can't do the things that the government's going to tell us we have to do and still honor God. So we're going to have to get used to being out of favor, uh, to be, mm. uh, you know, not in the mainstream of our culture, yet still being faithful to live, live for, serve Jesus, and, and uh, present the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what that costs us. And if we do that, I believe with all my heart, just like they've seen in China, just like they've seen in Vietnam, just like they've seen in Muslim countries, we will see people come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, my life verse where Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, the gates yeah. of hell will try, but they will not yeah. prevail against it. So, you know, the church in America really needs to lean into Jesus fall in love with Jesus all over again and be mm. uncompromising in our commitment to him, whatever comes our way. From yeah. Culture. Amen. Yeah. And I would say with that to fall in love with the church again. Yeah. And if there are, if there are those listening to this, you know, who have become cynical, disappointed with the church and again, go back to the, uh, to the idea of church, the, the first uh, moment that it was, uh, brought to, you know, Acts 2 was really like Adam was, God breathed into Adam, he became a living being. I see Acts yeah. 2 as uh, God breathing into the church and the church, the new Adam, of course, Christ is the new Adam, but the church becomes the body of Christ and is full of life. And and uh, that makes me love the church, even though yeah. Yeah. I don't like the singing or the choir's off key or <laughs> the preacher is uh, mediocre that particular Sunday. I mean, I really do, Terry. I, I, I go to church on Sunday just like I love being here because of what yeah. this is, Yeah. Uh, what what church is, not because of what whether I'm going to be satisfied with the, the you know, the, the routine that's going to take place here. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Terry. Yeah. Uh, this has been wonderful and uh, appreciate our friendship. Appreciate all you do. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Mitch. Privilege to be with you, my brother. All right. Take care. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything we've talked about today, on Before You Quit, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.